I'm going to spend a little bit of time this morning um, talking about uh, really what I feel uh, the Lord has uh, given to us as a church to be doing over the next uh, few months until Christmas. Uh, this is something that um, uh, you know we've talked about a lot over the last couple of months as leaders and we've really prayed into it and really believe this is what God has got for us as a church. But I really want to, rather than just spend a long time talking about practical details, I really want to share with you, I suppose, the heart of why we're going to do what we're going to do. And really that sense of what God is saying uh, to us as a church um, through his word. Um, and so this morning, I'd like us to look, we're going to spend basically all our time in a passage of the Bible, which is 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verses uh, 11 to 21. So if you've got a Bible uh, and you want to open it and read it and keep your finger in it, uh, as we go through, you can. Uh, but if you don't have a Bible, fear not, um, uh, because it's up here on the screen. So it's 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verses 11 to 21. And it says this, uh, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For we are beside ourselves, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And if he died for all, that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, from now on therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses or sins against them and entrusting, us, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I want to talk about uh, this idea, and I'm going to kind of unpack this passage by kind of starting at the back and kind of working our way to the beginning. Um, so we're going to start towards the end and work our way through. Um, but this, the, the title of my talk this morning is Ambassadors for Christ. Okay, Ambassadors for Christ. So um, does everyone know, everyone knows what an ambassador is? Yeah? Um, my, my, when everyone says the word ambassador, I always think of the Ferrero Rocher advert. Yeah? Uh, where you see people taking a Ferrero Rocher off the top of that, that pile of Ferrero Rochers. That's, that's quite good. But an ambassador is someone who is a representative of a nation in a foreign country. So we have ambassadors all over the world, in different countries, everywhere, all over the world. We'll have a UK ambassador. And the job of the ambassador is to represent the views uh, and the mission and the values of um, uh, the country from which they come from. Okay, so that's what we do. And uh, we have um, uh, 
uh, you know, you have ambassadors that are fixed in one place, but you also have ambassadors that travel around the world. Uh, and one of our most famous ambassadors um, is a chap uh, called Prince Philip. Okay, um, now I have to say I do love the royal family, right? Um, I really do, but I think Prince Philip's just amazing, right? Because he is just not always the best representative of the UK. Um, he says things like he visited, um, these were some of his, if you Google his blunders, they're brilliant, right? But he went to um, apparently a trip, a trip to Stoke-on-Trent uh, in, in 1997 and described it as ghastly. Right? Can you imagine that? Um, when visiting a, uh, the Papua New Guinea in 1998, uh, he said to a British trekker, you've managed to not get eaten then. Um, just, these, are, these are true, right? When talking to Tom Jones, the Welsh singer, he said, it's difficult to see how it's possible to become so immensely valuable by singing what are some of the most hideous songs ever written. Uh, I particularly like this one. To a Scottish driver, uh, sorry, to a Scottish driving instructor in 1995, he said to him, How do you keep the natives off the booze long enough to pass the test? <laughs> There's no one Scottish here, is there? No. <clears throat> Um, when staying in France, um, sorry, Zaina's not in here, is she? Um, uh, uh, after a break breakfast of bacon, eggs, smoked salmon, uh, croissants, and a pan au chocolat um, from a very famous chef, chef, he said, "The French just do not know how to cook a proper breakfast." Um, and he said, that, "I mean, literally, some of the stuff he said are just, uh, you know, are just really silly." And you, you realise how actually how tolerant the, the Queen must be, right? Um, to have lived with Prince Philip all those years. You know, but he hasn't necessarily been always a very good representative of us. He hasn't always been a very good ambassador, right? But whether you realise this or not, right, we are ambassadors of Christ. Right, when Christ comes to live in within you, God gives you a calling, a mission and a purpose and designates you one of his ambassadors. So we are, um, we are called to be ambassadors to our neighbours, we're called to be ambassadors to our friends, to our work colleagues, and each of us in here is an ambassador. So Chris, you are the ambassador to the People's Republic of Tesco's, right? Okay, uh, Connor, you are the ambassador to the Kingdom of the Rosen Crown, yeah? Um, uh, or Caitlin, uh, to the Kingdom of Buzz Zone, right? Okay, all right? <coughs> But wherever you are, you are like, if that's your place, if that's your country, you are God's ambassador in that place. Right? God is sending you with a purpose and an aim to be that. So what does it mean then to be an ambassador of Christ? And we are, uh, we are ambassadors of this kingdom of God. But when we are ambassadors, we, have, uh, we are really ambassadors of a message, aren't we? We are ambassadors of the message of the kingdom of God. Right? But we're not just ambassadors of the message uh, in terms of the words, we're also ambassadors of the life of that message. All right? So we come and we bring Christ. And so Paul describes himself then as an ambassador of Christ. So we are called to come and bring the words, the message of Christ, but we are also called to live the life of Christ. And so you see that Paul was obsessed with the message of Christ. He was obsessed with the gospel of Christ. So I, I don't think I've got a slide here. We see if we look through just this one passage alone, and this is just one tiny section of all of Paul's writings, in this one session he basically repeats the gospel three times in one section. I can imagine if you spent time with Paul, right, that he would have just been constantly talking to you about the gospel. 
about the message. So it says in verse 14, 15, he basically says, if, if, uh, if one has died for all, then everybody's died. You and I, we've died, right? That's the gospel. We're all dead to sin, right? But the idea is that Christ comes to live in us so that we no longer live for ourselves, but live for God. He says, here's the gospel. Verse 14, 15, and verse 17. This is a very famous one. We all know this one, don't we? Right? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Paul is saying this is the message, that old things can be made new. Stuff that was uh, broken can be fixed. Here's the gospel, I just want to give it to you again. And then again, in verse 21, he said, For, for our sake he became sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, you and I have got a message to take to people. You know, in Romans chapter 10, it says salvation comes by what? Anyone know? Salvation comes by hearing, absolutely. And so people need to hear the message of God if their lives are going to be changed. And you know, it also says, immediately after that in verse 10, it says, but how they hear unless there is a preacher? Right Now what Paul's talking about is not necessarily just someone standing up the front like me, but he's saying, how are people going to hear this wonderful gospel, this wonderful message, unless people go and tell them something? And you know, Paul had a really clear strategy. I don't know if you read the Acts of the Apostles, right? but Paul had a really clear strategy for spreading the good news of Jesus. He would go to a city... And then once he'd arrive at the city, he'd find where the Jews were, because they knew stuff about God, this God, and he would then start preaching the message. He would go on a, on a Sabbath day into the synagogue where possible, and he would preach, and he would talk to them, he would share the message, the words. He was an ambassador, and he'd say, this is the message of the kingdom that I have come from. And then if he, could, if he got kicked out of the Sabbath, he'd wander around, he'd find, if there wasn't, a, 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 like um, in, in Philippi, if there wasn't a synagogue or a big one, he'd go and he'd find where the Jews would meet together and he'd talk there. So he went and found Lydia um, by that. And, you know, how, who's heard the phrase, preach the gospel always, only when necessary use words? Anyone heard that phrase? It was meant to have been said by Francis Assisi. He never actually said it. Right? It's one of those nice things that sounds uh, very lovely, doesn't it? You know, let's go everywhere and preach the gospel, but let's not really, we don't need to use words, we can just live, you know, as Christians in that place. But to do that, right, is to not follow the pattern that all of the apostles followed and Jesus himself followed. Where they went, they would say something, right? They didn't necessarily ram it down people's throats, right? But they had a message, and you and I are ambassadors. We are ambassadors of Christ. And we have the good news of Jesus Christ. And Paul repeatedly says, you've got to tell people, you've actually got to say something to communicate those words. Otherwise, how on earth right, are they going to hear, are they going to believe if they haven't heard the words? And you know, however unpopular it might be, right? however, however many times people may have heard the gospel, it doesn't change the need for people like you and I to go and say and speak that message. That's really important that sometimes we've got to find different ways to tell people that message, right? You can't just say that message in the kind of same old boring way, right? If I went up to Cotmandine and stood like they might have done 50, 60 years ago um, with a, a painting, you know, and stand up there, or if I had a, a, one of those boards, what are those boards called where you, the end is nigh or something like that, right? Okay, and stood there. That might not be very effective, right? And I'm not necessarily talking about that, but when we go, we have to realise that as ambassadors, we have a message. 
And I suppose this is my heart over the next few months, is to see us as, church, as, as Christians in this church moving in greater measures into our role as ambassadors for Christ. You know, because my, my experience and personally and of my friends and family that I've known is that often we're very good at doing uh, church, we're very good at doing loving people, but we're not so good at sharing the, the message, the gospel of Christ. And Paul was always sharing this one passage. We see he shares it just three times alone. Real quick, he shares it. So I suppose that's what I really want us to think about as we're thinking over the next few months is this. We want to be ambassadors of that message. But it's no good, is it, just being an ambassador of a message, right? You have to be an ambassador of the life of that message or the truth of that message, Right, I want you to imagine, right, oh, Pat's not in here this morning, that's a shame. Right, I want to imagine that, that we have a, um, uh, that, you know, the UK has gone and is put, trying to put an ambassador in a new African nation, I don't know, somewhere, right? We've sent our representative out there. I want you to imagine, right, if you turn up and they invite these African, you know, these new African leaders to this, this embassy, the British embassy, right, and uh, then the ambassador turns up in a pair of Sports Direct joggers, right, wearing Crocs and socks, with a skanky old T-shirt, right, and for the meal he offers them a can of Coke and a couple of sausage rolls from Greg's, right, and then for entertainment invites them to sit down and watch an episode of the Royal Family, right, okay, that wouldn't be a very good representation, here he is, look, right, okay, if you turned up, look, and that was your ambassador and you met him, you wouldn't be thinking to yourself, here is someone that really embodies Right, what it means to be British, maybe he does, right? But certainly not we would well, <laughs> but maybe not we what we would want people to think about being British. I, or imagine that um, uh, you know, uh, let's pick on someone. Simeon, here we are, let's pick on Simeon. Right, one day Simeon decides that he, he becomes a very good footballer, unlike his father, okay. <clears throat> Uh, and he gets really good, and you know, at 18, you know, the, all the big, you know, the big football clubs want to sign him, right? And they turn up, and you know, one guy turns up in his Mercedes, and he's got his nice suit on, and he's got him all self together. And some bloke turns up in a beaten up sort of Volkswagen Polo, right? Kind of not dressed properly, you know. Which one are you going to sign for? Which one of you says this club's really kind of got it together, and which one doesn't? Because it's no good just having a message, we have to live the message, we have to be the message. We have to, our, our lives and what we do has to back up that message, otherwise, you know, if it's all good us saying, you know, Jesus can change your life, Jesus made such a difference in my life, he really brings joy to my life and you're the most grumpy, unhappy, moany person that every time you talk to your neighbour, all you do is moan about how awful the world is, they're going to say, well you say one thing, but you don't live it, so why on earth would I want to be part of your kingdom, because your kingdom looks rubbish. Yeah? And we have to be ambassadors, not just of a message, but of the life of that message, the essence of that message. And that's what Paul was talking about when he comes and he brings this. He brings this saying, we are an ambassador of Christ. So I want to ask you then, what was the motivation for Paul's ambassadorship? Right? What was it that drove Paul to be an evangelist, to be someone? And we see it in this passage. And it starts... Um, in verse 11, all right, of the very first line I read, it said, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Here's a challenging thought, right? Paul is motivated by fear, right? Paul is motivated by fear. You see, if I'd read the previous verse, 
right? If you've got your Bibles, all right, what does it say in verse 10? Can anyone read me what it says in verse 10? Anyone get their Bible open? I'm going to shout it out. So let me, let, that was a great translation. Can I read that? that, was a, that was, is that Mark's message translation? <coughs> what is this? Is this the New Living Translation? I do like this New Living Translation. So it says in verse 10, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whether we deserve good, sorry, we will, uh, sorry, we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. And it then flows straight on, right, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. What Paul is saying is that I know that what I do on this earth will one day be judged. Right? Not for his salvation, right? But there is clearly, Paul understood that God will look at the way that you've lived your life, the way that I lived our life, and he will ask us to give an account for that. Right? Not for our salvation, right? But for other things. And, you know, we live in an era, don't we, where we don't talk very much about the fear of God. We love to talk about the love of God, but we don't like to talk about the fear of God. But the thing is, is that Paul really understood that God was to be feared. Now, what does, what does that mean? Now, the word fear, right, might mean in your mind, like horror or terror or being petrified, right? That's not what Paul means by being fearful of God, right? Doesn't mean that we should cower as like, you know, like, oh, God's going to strike me down and I should be feared. How, who went on the trip to Thailand all those years ago? Mark, Alice, Pete, I don't know if Terry was too wet to come. Um, <coughs> Simon came, that's where Karina, you came as well, didn't you? That's where we met you for the first time. Oh dear, <coughs> that was just, Karina shook her head and said, oh no, what have I let myself in for? But one of the things that we did, do you remember when we went elephant riding? Remember when we went elephant riding? How could you forget? Why is that? You sat with Karina on an elephant. All oh, right, okay, good. But I don't know, has anybody ever stood next to an elephant? Right? And it stood next to an elephant. It, there's a kind of, you know, you know that the elephant is not a bad animal, but there is a part of you, isn't there, that realises that this is a dangerous animal. That this is not an animal which is, like, even, however tame it can be, one quick flick of its trunk or quick stamp, and you are completely under its power. Right? And, you know, we've all, se we've all seen... Uh, the, you know, I always went to put hands up there. I just can't cut out that teacher instinct within me. Hands up. Um, but we, most of us have seen or read, haven't we, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And there's this wonderful picture that Jesus is like Aslan the Lion. And there's a couple of times that, it, it, that the, um, they talk about Aslan and they say things like, um, uh, Mr Beaver is describing Aslan the Lion and he says, safe, said Mr Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. You know, and, and Paul understood that God, there's a motivation that God will one day want an account from you or I, right? That one day God is going to say to you, what have you done with what I've given you? And Paul talks about it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says everyone's work will be judged in the fire. Yeah, there's the parable of the talents where the man that had talent and didn't use it, right? God judged him harshly and you and I should be motivated to be ambassadors because there's a sense in which God is someone who loves us but equally will require something from us one day. And we are expected to live our life for him. 
And so we, Paul understood this and Paul says, we are, he says, verse 11, let's look at that again. He says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. I know that God requires an account of me and I am afraid of not doing what my best for the Lord Jesus. And I suppose that's one of the things that we need to appreciate when we're thinking about being ambassadors, that God is not calling us, like God, didn't, God did not save you to sit in silence. God did not save you to sit in silence. You are not called to be a consumer of Christ. You are a consumed, con- called to be an ambassador of Christ. So that's the first thing we see, is his motivation in verse 11 is out of fear. But his second motivation is this. It says, the love of Christ, verse 14, compels us or controls us. So it's not just fear. He's not doing it because he's petrified. If I don't tell people about Jesus, God's going to get me. God's going to strike me down. No. Right? That's not, that wasn't what was driving Paul. The other thing that was driving Paul was this amazing sense of the love of God. You know, Paul had gone at one point, uh, if you read the story of Paul's life, for those of you who don't know, Paul was a bad man, right? He was a Jew and he invested his whole time and his whole energy in basically catching and killing Christians. He was compelled by hatred. He was compelled, controlled by a desire to stop Jesus and to stop the gospel. And then one day he's travelling to somewhere, uh, towards a place called Damascus. It's a very famous you know, story, many of you might have heard of it. Right, he stops and, and Jesus stops him on the Damascus road. And he has this encounter with Jesus and suddenly the motivation for his life has changed. No longer is he compelled by hate, he's compelled by love. You know... We need to be compelled by love. If you come out of this this morning and you think, oh, Tim's given us the whole, like, as Christians we should go and tell people about Jesus. Oh, oh, fine, I'll get on and do it. Then you've missed the point. Because what God wants to do is fill your heart with love so that the love of Christ compels you to do things. Right? Now, I'm not talking about the kind of wishy-washy love of Christ, right? I'm talking about the kind of radical, sacrificial love of Christ. I, I, my wife is much better at living this out than I am. Right? She is someone that understands what it means right, to love people sacrificially. Recently, um, I, if I've said this before, I'm, I'll apologise, but it, it spoke to me, so I'm going to share it with you. But we spent a Saturday morning like, looking after two little boys right, from school. Now, because their mum had got vertigo and she was unwell and the dad had to go to school. So we had two little boys around our house playing, spent my Saturday morning looking after more kids, as if three wasn't enough, right? Five boys was then what I had, right, on a Saturday morning. Thanks, Helen, right? But it is the love of Christ that compelled her to say, I'm going to offer myself sacrificially for you. And, you know, that speaks to her. She will not forget that, and she has not forgotten that, because it's that expression of love. She spent an afternoon um, helping out mums from school fill out online forms because their computer skills weren't great. The problem is that Helen's computer skills aren't great either, right? So that meant that I spent the afternoon helping mums fill out online computer forms, right? But the point is that she's saying, I love you, I'm going to show you that I love you. I don't just come with a message of words, I come compelled by love. She spent a day up recently up in London with a friend who's going through a cancer treatment that's not a Christian because she's compelled by love and I want to challenge us how are we living out that message of love? So as we look and we continue through this passage 
we realise that ambassadors are people that represent the country, they represent the message, they have to embody that message, but also sometimes ambassadors have a specific purpose or a specific remit, sometimes they're called special envoys. And we see Paul clearly understood that he had a specific mission from God. And I don't know if I put this in here, actually. Um, I don't think I, I did. So it's in verse 18 and 19. He said, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul had the ministry of reconciliation. That is, verse 19, in Christ God, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their sins against them, but entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And the end of verse 19, I love this, God is making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal through us. So what he's saying is, I have a message of reconciliation. Now what is reconciliation? What's the word reconciliation mean, right? We've all had arguments, yeah? And often what happens in an argument is that it breaks down so much that you need someone to come along and help bring about reconciliation. Bring about that, that kind of healing in the relationship. Because sometimes it's so broken down that it's not possible for those two things to come together. Now this world is very broken, isn't it? Right? You haven't got to go very far to figure out the brokenness of this world. Right? Even the, the amount of plastic that's in, you know, this is a big thing, isn't it? Plastic, right? The amount of plastic in the ocean is a representation of the brokenness that's all around us. But there's people who are broken next door to you. There are people that are broken opposite you. When you sit opposite someone at work, they are, their lives are broken. It might be their family is broken. Their marriage is broken. They, they've lost someone that they never quite made up with. They're dealing with grief that there's a brokenness inside them. They're suffering from a broken heart because someone walked out and left them. However, there is brokenness all around us, whether it's through greed or pride or sin. And you and I are called to be ministers of reconciliation. That's my heart for us as a church over these next few months, that we would live out this ministry of reconciliation. Right? As ambassadors of Christ, we will live out this ministry of reconciliation, telling people the gospel and living the life. Now, you, you may not be very good at conversations. You may be thinking to yourself, yeah, but Tim, I like what you're talking about, but I find this stuff difficult. This is not naturally me to talk about Jesus. Now, I, I want to be honest with you, it's not natural to me either. I am not someone, I find that I spend a lot of my time working with people inside the church. Okay? And so what happens is when you spend a lot of time working with people inside the church, you realise you don't necessarily have very many friends outside the church. So how can I fulfil my ministry of reconciliation if I'm only ever inside the church? And when I came back from Eltham, I realised that this was the case, that I didn't have many non-Christian friends. And, and I began to realise that God was calling me, right, to be an ambassador. That's where I live, right, up here, for those of you who don't know. I live up there in that corner. So this is my little close just here, that goes round there. Right, and there's basically, there's, there's four houses there, four houses there, four houses here, and then a few others down the hill of people that I know. Right? And I realised that God had called me to be an ambassador to this little space. Right? That I didn't necessarily connect with loads of other people because of all of the things that I do, but I do connect with people in my close. And so what did I do? I began to pray. Right? And I began to pray. Now, I, I tell you what, I lived in Eltham, right? in one of the busiest parts of Eltham, in one of the most deprived areas of Greenwich, statistically. Uh, there were generally blue lights going up and down. But I tell you what, right? 
I've never seen as many policemen as there have been in my close over the last 18 months. Literally, honestly, I tell you not, I kid you not, there are at least, there is virtually a police car once a week inside my close. Honestly. Right, or an ambulance or something, there's something going wrong. We, since we've been there, right, there has been, in my close there are people that are dealing drugs, there are people that are, there are broken, nearly every family is broken in my, in, in my environment, with multiple partners. Um, there's, there's a lady who's an alcoholic, uh, there's a lady who is involved in some very dodgy stuff, there's some other people who have got depression, mental health issues, that's just in my little close. And I began to realise that God was saying that you, I am called to be an ambassador to that space. And do you know what I began to realise? I was like, do you know what? God, I'm going to bring reconciliation to this little place. I, want, I am not prepared to let the devil take ownership of my close any longer. And I began to say in my prayer and in my heart, every time I walked up, well not every time, but you know, as I was walking up the hill, I would say, God, I want to pray for the people in this area. I want to bless them. And I began to pray for them and really pray for them. That's all I did. Now, I've lived in my close, well, I've, we've, lived, we've owned the house there for 11 years and we moved back about 18 months ago, having spent a few years away. Um, and uh, and I, I'll be honest, I don't know about you, but there are people, are there people that live over your road that you've never even spoken to? Right, there's people in my area that I raise my little close, so you bear in mind how small it is, the bloke opposite me, directly opposite my window, I'd never ever had a conversation with him. He was younger, he must be about my age, right? There's another bloke there, just along there, never had a conversation, never had a conversation with this guy, right? There were new neighbours that have moved in just there, right? I'd never even spoken to these people. As I began to pray, I found, I have had a deep, in-depth, long, 20-minute conversation with each of those guys, having never spoken to them for all those years. I just began to pray, and I found that I just was like, like you know, and I think maybe my awareness was a bit more kind of up, I, would, I just took a little bit of an opportunity of a window when I happened to walk past someone, you know, and I found that suddenly I was starting to have conversations, right, and starting to bless people, and then, you know what then happened is that uh, someone, uh, you know, someone, our next door neighbour knows that we're a Christian, and her husband um, was going to go for some tests, and so she wrote to us and said, would you pray for us? Never. In 11 years, has anyone asked us to pray for anything, right? And as I started to pray, we've been asked to pray, and I was able to talk and share just a little bit that we were praying. Then she comes and says to me, her daughter, it's a horrible situation last week, her daughter, the, her young uh, the, the husband, the, her boyfriend, and they've got a little child of two, he's left her. And so again, it was an opportunity to pray for that situation, right? Gets better, though, gets better. Right? I actually genuinely had a ministry of reconciliation last Saturday, Right, I think it was last Saturday. <clears throat> so I'm sitting there, it's about five o'clock in the afternoon, uh, and suddenly um, uh, there you can see, I can hear some guys starting to shout. There's quite a you, you know, some, quite a bit of effing and jeffing. Not that Jeff, right? Okay, right, but quite a bit of effing and jeffing happening. And, and do you know what? There was something in my heart, and I looked out the window and I could see two guys. One from, uh, it was one from this house, it was just here, right? And uh, one from this house, and another guy from a little bit further down the close, and they were really having a right old go at each other. And do you know what? There was something in my heart that was like, not in my space, right? Not in my close, right? So I walked out, and Helen's getting very cross at me, right? And I walked right into the middle of that, right? And, and I, when I say right in the middle, I wasn't quite that brave, right? I didn't quite get in the middle of it, right? But I was literally, you know, they were, they were at each other, I'm kind of like here. And, um, and uh, Helen's kind of like waving me, come back, come back. <laughs> You're going to get punched, come back, 
right? And they were really going at each other, and it gets worse and worse. And now I'm going to put you on your back. You're going to have your knee. Your legs are going to be waving in the air. You know all this kind of, you know. I'm like these guys are so silly, right? It's just dumb, you know. Like, <laughs> and I was there, and I'm just like, and I had this sense in my heart, and so I began to pray there and then on that spot. I'm like, Lord, I just want to pray that you would come and move in this situation. I'm not going to tolerate that. I began to rebuke the devil, right? Like, you know, this is not happening in my space, in my place, and it's getting worse. It's getting worse. And I began to speak in tongues, and and I was thinking, this is, and literally they were at blows. And as I was praying, literally, all of a sudden, one of the guys went, "Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I should. I've got. I've overreacted. I'm sorry." They've gone from literally, I kid you not, seconds they were going to punch each other's lights out. Right, and five seconds later, they're like, they're, "Oh yeah, sorry." And then they're shaking hands. Oh, we should go out for a drink sometime. <laughs> we have the ministry of reconciliation. I am, amb- I am an ambassador to Powell Close. Not on my turf, thank you very much. I don't know if I've actually got it. I have. Look, not on my doorstep. This was a prophetic T-shirt. Look, this was something that they gave me in Elton, right? Because they were doing drugs on my back doorstep when we lived in the church. And we declared, not on my doorstep. And you need to have that attitude. You're an ambassador to Christ. If there are things that are not going on, going on around you that are not right, you have a legal authority in God to, to speak against those things in prayer, to bring about a ministry of reconciliation. You're an ambassador of the king of kings. And one day every kingdom, every house, every nation, every person will bow down to that king. And you are bringing that ministry. And you are bringing that message and you are bringing that ministry. And we can be so like, oh... You know, what have I got to bring? You may not think you've got much to bring, but you can pray. You can go into those places and pray. And we believe, I believe that that's what God wants us to be about over these next few months. And I'm just going to... Um, oh, where am I getting to? Right. Yeah, I, I'm going to 